All right. Week six DIY. Do it yourself. If you missed uh, the other DIY series, go back, watch them on YouTube, check them out on Spotify, wherever you want to see them at. But uh, man, it's been a fun series that we've been in. And uh, today, this is like one of my favorite ones that we're, that we're getting ready to dig into. And so, uh, you know, this, this, this title today is, is to walk like Jesus. And I think that there's a lot that goes into that. And we've been digging into that quite a bit. The word, we've been digging into prayer, what it looks like to worship, to serve, and to love. And every one of those things is something that Jesus has done and continues to do to this day. And so when I think about the word, and, I, and when I talk about getting into scripture, we go back into, into John in chapter 1. It, it simply says this, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning, through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that was been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. That is an entire message on its own. But I'm here to tell you this. What I love about this is that this proves once again that Scripture is living and it's active. God is the Word. The Word was with God. I absolutely love the thought, the thought of that because here's where we're at on this. If we're going to dig into Scripture, we have to be active in the Scripture. So to walk like Jesus means to dive into the Word. It means that we pray. Prayer is this pathway to the Father. It's a one-on-one -on -one relationship with the Father. Sometimes we do it in groups. Sometimes we do it in groups, and he hears and receives that. But the reality is, is it also gives us a gateway of a one-on-one -on -one relationship with him. To, to give all your burdens, to give anything that's tying you down, to just be able to have that talk. I absolutely love that. And then to worship. Jesus worshiped his father even in the hardest of times. You found Jesus worshiping his father. Because in John chapter 4, we read this. Jesus is building a church that worships in both spirit and truth. Oh my gosh, I love that because that is exactly what we, we put ourselves on, this foundation of that, that we are a church built on spirit and on truth. The, the worst thing that we, that we had, and it even goes in to talk about this here in a second, is that we didn't want legalism and, and we didn't want to be traditionalism and we didn't want all this different stuff to come in and to play a role in it. We simply wanted to be the hands and the feet of Jesus and we wanted to show the love of God to everybody without limit. Everybody is worthy enough to know who Jesus is. And that's how we were designed, and that's how we were made. Jesus is building a church that worships both in spirit and in truth. Jesus is building a church that is neither motivated by legalism nor lawlessness to truly worship in spirit and in truth is to love God and to keep his commandments. I love that. So we worship in truth. We worship in spirit, knowing what God can do we serve together. We serve together and we love each other. Jesus' love is unconditional, has no limits 
or boundaries. Even in your darkest of moments, even the times that you feel like you've turned your back, he still loves you. So as we dig into this, how do we walk like Jesus? What's one of the number one things that Jesus did as we read in Scripture? He taught. All right? So he would teach often. And so here's where we're at with that. We need to teach. If we're going to live like Jesus, we need to teach. But if we're going to dig into this DIY thing and this DIY concept, then here's the reality of where we need to be with this. We need to be able to do it ourselves. So we see and we know and we understand what Jesus is doing. And so here are some things that we can do to teach the love of God. Number one, check this out. We can tell stories all day long. Everybody in this room, if we had, if we had people stand up and, and admit to this and how they learn, we're going to learn that everybody here learns in a different way. For some of us, it's by hearing stories. If you hear a story, it just seems to sink in, and that's, that's how you get it. And so when you watch in Scripture when Jesus talks, he talks in parables sometimes because he knew that people needed to hear the story. They needed to hear this in a reverent place. Then there's people that need cold, hard facts. If you're going to tell me that, I need to see it in the Bible. I need to see it. And so you pull out your Bible. Right here is where you find this in the Scripture. So you, you talk in Scripture. You teach by Scripture. Listen to me. You teach by testimony. That is one of the most important things that you can do is by saying what God has done for you. And I promise you this. If you are here today live, if you are online today, I'm going to tell you this. Your testimony is massive. And if you're sitting here saying, look, I don't really have a relationship with God yet, your testimony is being written right now. And that's what I love about the way that God works. Even when you don't think you have one, God is writing it on your heart, and that is incredible. I'm going to tell you this, church. I'm going to be real with you. Come on now. You got to be blunt sometimes if you're going to be teaching. You got to just be blunt and honest sometimes. Some of us are very hard-headed, and so you need somebody to be able to look at you and say, you're an idiot. Stop being stupid. Like, what's going on? Why are you doing this? Like, let's talk about this. Come on. And I think a lot of times like, we're afraid to have that blunt talk. I think a lot of times we're afraid to, to be truthful because it might hurt somebody's feelings. Well, if you put it based on scripture, you put it based on the way that God lived and the way that God taught, there's nothing wrong with being blunt and honest because there's a lot of us that need that. The other thing is this, simply this, being personal. Oh my gosh. I don't think there's anything greater when you teach about Jesus than flat out being personal about it. You have a one-on-one -on -one relationship with him. Like, you have that ability. That's incredible to have that one-on-one -on -one relationship with the creator of the universe. So I'm going to tell you this. Let God do the talking. If you're in a place that you don't know what to do next, you're in a place that you don't know what to say next, I promise you this. God will provide the words. You're like, how? Like, how does that work? I don't know. I wish I did. But there's been times where I've called my wife after youth group a couple years ago, and I'll, I'll never forget this moment. We had a massive night. Like, we had kids that were just, we were just busting at the seams, and, and, and kids just came to know Jesus that night in massive ways, and things were surrendered. And I had my notes in front of me, and I didn't look at my notes. And I told Kristen, she said, well, what did you preach? I said, I don't know. Like, I don't remember. I have no idea what I said. But God spoke that night, and he spoke in a way that kids understood. Sometimes he's going to push you aside 
you're going to get done with the conversation. You're going to say, I don't have a clue what I just said. It must have been good, though. Don't take the credit. <laughs> don't take the credit. So you can, share the, the, you can share Jesus without pushing Jesus. And you hear that, and I'm going to be real, a lot of churchy people might not like that idea. Because, because that's what we're called to do. We're called to push Jesus, like just force it on people. And if they don't get it, well, Scripture says to turn around and walk away from them. Like, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to drill. I'm going to tell Parker all about Jesus. If Parker doesn't want to hear about Jesus, well, forget Parker then. I'm going to go to somebody else and tell somebody else about Jesus. It doesn't work that way. Man, could you imagine if Jesus was pushy in the way he did it? He wasn't. Like, he was chill about it. He was laid back. He was blunt. He was honest. But he connected with people. And he loved people, even the worst of people. He loved them and connected with them and taught them. And so don't be so pushy. I'm telling you this right now, church. Sometimes it takes years to be able to work on that relationship. Sometimes it takes years. Sometimes it takes a whole lot of learning the personal stuff before you can invest in the other stuff. Take your time. Take your time. The worst thing that you can do is push somebody so far they never want to come back or ever even want to give Jesus an opportunity. So you share your testimony of all these things that have happened to you, and, and you continue to talk about how God has resolved different things in your life, and you teach the things that God has taught you and shown you, and he continues to do that. So there's this, there's this story in the Bible. Jesus is out, and he's, he's preaching, he's teaching, and uh, doing, doing what he does best, and he's out chilling, and uh, he sees these two fishermen that are just out there. They're doing their thing, and he sees, he sees Peter and Simon. And so here's, here's uh, or Peter and Andrew, I'm sorry. So he sees Simon, Peter, and Andrew, and they're out chilling. And Jesus makes this declaration to them. He just says this, come and follow me. That's what he says. He's out here teaching. He's doing his thing. He looks over, sees these two. Hey, why don't you guys come and follow me? And I love this statement because then he says this, and I will send you out to fish for people, to fish for man. Like, I'm not going to send you out to keep fishing for fish and keep this up. Man, you're going to go out and you are going to save people. Like there's going to be so massive things that are going to happen and the things that you're going to do. And so he calls them to that. But here's, here's another thing that, that is also said. This comes from a Chinese philosopher. Same thing, and a lot of people get this confused. A lot of people believe that this is in Matthew uh, chapter 4. But here's what it says. It says, give a man a fish and you will feed him for the day. Teach him how to fish and you feed him for a lifetime. What I love about this is this is exactly what Jesus was doing. He wasn't just giving you scripture. He wasn't just giving you something to eat on each day, to feed on. He was teaching you how to go and feed others. And that's what we're called to do. Check this out. When I was, when I was going through this, uh, God gave me a word and it was confidence. And uh, so I, I've got this word confidence. And when I go through and I, and I sermon prep, Typically, it's at a coffee shop. I don't know what it is about espresso, but it helps this out. Um, and so, um, you know, I'm sitting there, I'm drinking some coffee, and I'm processing through this, working through this, and I get to this word, confidence. And uh, that's about as far as it went. I'm just being real with you. Like, that was as far as it ever went. And then I've been praying about it. I've gone back to it numerous times. I was like, all right, God, like, what about confidence? Show me some scripture, man. Like, where are we at on this? Like, what's going on? What do you want me to say about confidence? And, and this is what he placed in my heart this morning. 
I'm just going to be honest with you. If you are looking for a church with a perfect pastor, I'm not your church. We're not your church. If you're looking for a church with a bunch of perfect people, this isn't the place for you. If you're online, you're tuning into the wrong place. I'm going to mess up. I'm going to make mistakes, just as many of us in here are. But you want to know something, is that I have the confidence that God's got me. I have the confidence knowing that, that even in those moments that I slip up, that he's going to be there to pick me up and to move me. I, I can remember times where, where I've, I've, been, I've been sermon prepping. I've been getting ready for, for this. And I, I come in on a Saturday night and I, and I run through my message. And then all of a sudden I get here Sunday morning and I don't feel like I'm even remotely close to worthy enough to step on the stage. And the devil starts to play with me and tell me that I'm not good enough to preach. I'm not good enough to share the word. I'm not good enough to be your pastor. I'm just being raw and real with you here. I go through it too. But man, I got the confidence to know that when God says move, we're going to move. We're going to do something big. When God says step out of, of what you've been doing your entire life and I need you to do this, I have, the, I have the confidence knowing that God's got me. And here's what I want you to know is that when you take that step, when you go to do something new, God has you too. Have that confidence. Have the confidence to be uncomfortable with situations. Have the confidence to, to be able to step outside of the norm, to step outside of the normal things that you do. Have the confidence to go to a friend and invite them to come to church with you and to be a part of it with you. Have the confidence to be able to teach the Word of God. Have the confidence to, to read Scripture. Even if you don't know where to go, have the confidence to know that God will guide you. And he constantly does. I promise you that. We said this in a couple sermon series ago. No perfect people allowed in here. Point blank. That's how it is. Like we are a bunch of imperfect people doing life together, knowing that God is working on us and refining us constantly. So check it out. This is the last one that I'm going to talk about today. How do we walk the walk of Jesus? The word I'm going to say here in just a minute is a tough one for people because they see it and they, they hate it. They don't like it. It's a challenge. It's stepping out on a limb of, of obedience. That could have been one. It could have been obedience. To walk the walk of Jesus also means at times that we're going to have to fast. This is something that God has laid on my heart pretty heavily lately, is this idea of a fast. What does it look like? How do we fast? I've been at parts of, of many church fasts in my life. You Growing up Catholic, um, you know, there was always, you would always have that time around Lent that you would fast. So Fridays you would fast meat, you'd eat fish or cheese pizza. Um, and, uh, you know, Ash Wednesday would come around and you would fast that day until the nighttime and all these different things. So I grew up hearing about fasting. 
But Matthew chapter 6, it paints the perfect picture of what it looks like of how we fast. Because he says this, When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do. For they disfigure their faces to show others that they are fasting. I've been around people who are fasting. And then it's like this all the time. Oh, man, like, dude, I'm so hungry. Man, I'm starving. Like, what's up? I've been fasting for six hours now. Like, this is brutal. Oh, we just passed a Taco Bell. Like, ah, I got to go. We get excited about those things. But, man, like, we wear it. We wear it on our face. You're 10 hours in and you're sweating. I can't do it. But God says this, don't do that. Don't do that. He says, truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Those hypocrites, they received their reward in full. Good for them. But when you fast, he says this, I want you to put oil on your head. You know what he says after that? Anoint yourself, put the oil on your head. Like, you've got this today. And then he says this, wipe it off. I don't want anybody to know. I don't want you walking around with that on your forehead going, look at me. Like, I'm fasting. Woo. No, he's like, no, put it on. Wipe it off. I don't want anybody to know that this is going on so that it will not be obvious to others that you're fasting, but only to your father. And I love this part. Listen to me. Carly's here again. The father that's unseen. For the Father that is unseen. So it's not for me. It's for the unseen Father. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. It's crazy to see how God works. And a lot of times we don't fully understand it. We don't fully grip it. You know, uh, I think a lot of times we fall in the, the place, I said this last week, but like I, we fall in this place where it's like, if I give 20 bucks, I expect 40 back. Like that's just how this reward works. But I want you to know that this reward is much different. When you fast, you, you get a closeness with God that you haven't had in some time. There, there are things that take place and there are things that happen when you fast. And one of the things is that we hear from the Father. In Acts chapter 13, it's a big chapter in the Bible. Acts chapter 13 is a big one because first, while they were worshiping the Lord and they were fasting, the Holy Spirit said to them, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called you. So after they had fasted and prayed, so after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and they sent them off. We're in chapter 13. If you dig into this chapter just a little bit farther, all of a sudden you're going to find out that Saul is no longer Saul, but he's dead to that life and born again into Paul, who goes out, he plants churches, and not only does he plant churches, but he raises leaders to go out and plant their own churches, and all these different things begin to happen, and I absolutely love the fact that that is how it all began. It began with prayer and fasting. When we started this church, we fasted together as a plant team a couple of times. We fasted as a staff. We fasted as a church meeting in here with our, our outdoor chairs and no stage and all this different stuff that was going on when we first got in this location. Like we did that together. 
because we knew what God was calling us to, and that was to connect deeper with the Father. Joel finds himself in a situation that he's, his land that he's in is being just taken apart and torn apart by these swarms of locusts. And what was left ends up being taken over by wildfires. So everything that they knew, everything that they had was being demolished, gone. And he says this, I declare a holy fast, call a sacred assembly. Summon the elders and all who live in the land to the house of the Lord your God and cry out to the Lord. I declare a holy fast because we need a breakthrough. We need something to happen today because this is not good. This stuff is being torn down and what we need is a new place. We need new crops and God, I know that you are going to bring it. So why do we start and why do we end with this fast? Well, I'm announcing right now as a church, October 26, 27, 28, I am challenging you to step out in obedience. I'm challenging you to step out of your comfort zone. And I'm not going to do the churchy thing you see a lot where we just say fast what the Lord puts on your heart and you fast social medias and all these different things, coffee, chocolate, homework. I did that one Lent. It didn't work out well for me. Um, this is going to be a liquid fast. And if you're able to do this in a healthy way, if you're able to do this and, and not have any issues, I want to challenge you that. Soup, hot soup. And smoothies will become your friend for three days. <clears throat> but we were praying about, what does this look like going into our one-year anniversary? What does this really look like going into our one-year anniversary? Do we just throw these massive parties? Do we spend thousands of dollars on parties? And No. It's like, so what do we do? So the couple days moving into our one-year anniversary, we fast. We seek the Lord for year two. We seek the Lord for what he's calling us to do. Tuesday, we fast. Wednesday, we fast. Thursday, we fast. Thursday night, this is brutal. We're doing our, our trick-or-treat outreach, and we're passing out hot dogs and bottled water to the community. But we're going to do it together. And we'll bring a blender, and we'll blend up hot dogs so we can drink them. <laughs> Just kidding. That's gross. But we do that. And then we come back together on the 31st. And we're going to celebrate our one-year anniversary together. And then we were like, how do we top that? Like, what else do we do for our anniversary? Parker already said, no, we're not doing big parties. Like, what are we doing? We're coming back the first, second, third, and fourth. And we're going to do a revival here. And we're going to have guest speakers that have been praying over this church for the past year that are going to come in. And they're going to speak. They're going to be each night, 6.30 to 7.30, and we're going to come together and worship God in massive ways. So I want to challenge you right now, if that's you, and, and, and I want you to be a part of this. I want you to commit to that on your connection cards. You can just fill it out and just say, I'm in. I'm in. And what I'm going to do is that, or that Tuesday and that Wednesday of the fast, 
we're not going to have anything going on here at the church. We're going to have this time and set, set apart for what? I don't know what it says. Uh, we're going to do prayer time here at the church. Half hour. 6.30 o'clock, 6.30 p.m. You can come here. 6.30 o'clock. Shut up. <laughs> we're going to come here and we're just going to spend some time in prayer if that's what you want to do. Um, but we want to challenge you to, to that and that time. So we're excited. We're excited for what God's going to be doing over the next couple months and, and weeks and uh, big, big things ahead for us. So um, one last thing real quick. Uh, We've been talking about this. We've been talking about this idea of all in, going all in for God, going all in for the kingdom. Here at Movement Church, one of the biggest things that we did was we decided that we weren't about Movement Church, we're about the kingdom. How can we advance the kingdom? What can we do? And so we pray for other churches. We celebrate with other churches. We celebrate when people come here but then end up going to another church. Like, it's okay. We celebrate that because it's all about the kingdom. It's not about us. But one of the things that we do here is that we have ministry, and ministry isn't free, unfortunately. And so having this all-in mentality, parts of it is serving, getting out and serving. If you're not serving, if you're not connecting, get involved with that. You can fill your connection card out with that. The other thing is, is going all-in with your, with your tithing and your offering. What is God calling you to? So I want to challenge you in this time of fast, in this time of celebration, truly pray about it. God, what are you calling me to do? And I want to tell you this. I want you to hear this from me. If it's 10 bucks, it's 10 bucks. If it's 17, it's 17. If it's $2.4 million, make it out to me. Uh, just kidding. Um, but man, I believe that God has something big for this church, and it happens with you. And we're excited that you're a part of that.